Hi, good morning, and welcome to another episode of CIO Leadership Live. This episode today is sponsored by Nutanix, which was a global leader in cloud software and hyper-converged infrastructure solutions. Be sure to visit Nutanix.com for more content about how to help elevate today's executives from day-to-day support to driving business transformation. And business transformation is something we will be talking a lot about today as I welcome my guest, Scott Blanford, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Digital Officer at TIA. TIA, which stands for Teachers, used to stand for Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association, was created 100 years ago by Andrew Carnegie's $1 million investment in a then nonprofit company that was intended to ensure that teachers could retire with dignity. Today, this New York-based nonprofit, no, not nonprofit, is it? It is a New York-based private company that has 15,000 sponsor clients with 5 million individual customers and nearly $1 trillion under management. As the chief digital officer, Scott is leading TIA into a digital future where technology can fully realize the customer-focused mission of this company. He leads the online, mobile, and desktop transformation work, which is focused on digital innovation in both customer self-service and automation. Scott joined TIA back in 2010, and all told, he has 25 years of experience in running successful large program delivery, tech innovation, and executive leadership. Before his current role, he was the managing director and head of online and retirement technology at the Bank of America's Merrill Lynch division. Before that, he spent 11 years at Fidelity Investments, leading its retirement and workplace digital business, including the launch of the industry's very first digital 401k. Thanks for joining me well, today, thanks so Scott. Thanks so much for having me. It's always great to talk to you. And you do know a few things about finance and insurance and retirement programs, so we have a lot to talk about. Now, as we were um, preparing for this interview, one of the things I always like to ask CIOs and CDOs about is the, uh, the customer expectations and how those have been changing. And also, we'll get into a little bit about industry disruption, which is, of course, all segues into that. So give me, uh, give me a few of your thoughts about the, what you've seen in your nine, almost 10 years now with TIA about how customer expectations are changing. Well, I think the, uh, the biggest thing we're seeing that I've seen is this shift into what I've heard referred to as the attention economy. That's the world we live in today. I love that phrase. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great phrase. And w- yeah. really what it expresses is that there was a time, you go back 10 years, where human beings had more attention than information. Yes. So you might occasionally find yourself sitting around, like, looking into the sky, thinking about things. But, <laughs> or, <you> know, <laughs> or reading the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, or reading the newspaper. Or a magazine. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I've got some mm-hmm. spare attention. Yeah. Let me go find some information to consume. Let me unitask. Yeah, yeah. But, but, of course, now we live in a very different world where mm-hmm. it's been flipped. We all have way more information than we our attention could ever consume. Mm-hmm. And that's had, I think, some pretty profound effects on people, on technology, on providers. Mm-hmm. You know, the world's very different now because – Everyone's seeking to break through and get into the attention of customers. It's very difficult. Yeah. Well, and I would think, too, one of the things we talked about is your customer demographic, because most businesses to keep growing need to attract millennials and the next generation, and yet your main subject is retirement. 
And yeah. so what are some of the ways that you've found to get some of that share of the attention economy when it comes to convincing younger people that they should be looking at TIA? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, we've taken very seriously is you've got to be where people are. So we okay. want to meet them where they are. And that's uh, mobile, social, web. It's getting mm-hmm. uh, helpful content deployed to places, to websites and, and uh, you know, mobile apps that customers go to. Because in, in the attention economy, people aren't necessarily going to spend the energy to travel to meet us. Mm-hmm. We've got to be where they are. Okay. And does that, um, it, the changing understanding of finance also, it was one of the things you mentioned yeah. about how that plays into the big picture trends. Yeah, people think about finance differently today than they, than they used to. Okay. And, you know, a, a, an example of that is how I understand my whole financial life. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, financial services is so splintered now. I've got multiple providers. Uh, I, I do banking here. I do life insurance there. So one of the things that we've done is we bring it all together at TIA into a single mobile app. So with us, mm-hmm. wh- wherever you have accounts, with whatever provider or with us, you can do banking, uh, insurance, brokerage, wealth, investing, retirement, all in one spot. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's so splintered now, people need to see it all together. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned, too, that you don't even, when you introduce a new feature, um, such as you had added a tab about financial goals. Yeah, and yeah. Tell us that story. That yeah, was so, interesting. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, our mm-hmm. firm's got a 100-year mission of helping people. Yeah. And we try to, uh, the, the tagline we use internally is, we help people who help others. So for folks in our sort of community, we look at trying to help them get to and through retirement. And mm-hmm. that's more than just the accounts. Mm-hmm. That's in some ways, it's helping them understand themselves and their goals and their expectations. So, you know, early in the year, we launched a goals tab on our website, mm-hmm. just a place a customer could go in and enter their goals. The things and make they a list, want. a bullet make a list. list. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, you think it's that's not a very financial uh, thing. You know, it's not complicated math mm-hmm. or calculations, but we saw uh, unbelievable uptake. Like in the first few months, unpromoted, we got 30,000 people enter their goals just because wow. they thought, gosh, this is really important for me to write down what I'm trying to achieve in my financial life. Mm -hmm. And we've seen just uh, terrific uptake. So we're very interested in exploring like the behavioral side of finance for people. Yeah. And when you say we are interested in exploring that, are you thinking of the digital team, the IT team, a combined team with business and IT? Tell us something about kind of how you're set up and as the chief digital officer, what you're, the universe that you you have purview over. Well, I think, you know, all, you know, every big company, certainly every big financial service, every financial service company is working to become a more digital company. Mm-hmm. You know, that we work uh, or we see a lot of competitors and providers that were born digital. You know, TIA was born 100 years ago, and we were born analog. So a big yeah. part of my job at TIA is to be the sort of cheerleader for our transition from being an analog company to a fully mm-hmm. digital company. And that's really a whole – that's an effort the whole company is involved in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, digital anymore is front to back, uh, wing to wing with the breadth of services – so uh, really, when we talk about the products, you know, my digital team will do some of the work directly, but everybody's involved. Mm-hmm. Our relationship teams that work with institutions, our financial advisors, everybody's a piece of it. Okay. And uh, for the 
It's interesting. I had a CIO tell me recently that digital is not a strategy anymore. Digital is a revenue stream. And that that companies are really starting to understand that and kind of shift around uh, in their strategy. And I've been hearing more, more of the analyst firms and researchers talk about um, business strategy now being driven by technology and its capabilities. How do you view all that? How are you seeing that change? How is that having its impact at TIA? Well, there's this very, uh, this very prescient quote that Mark Andreessen, something he said almost uh, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. which is software is eating the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that most industries are going to be hollowed out, and what you'll be left with will be uh, user interfaces mm-hmm. with the technology and uh, people doing the people stuff. Yeah. special things that only people can do. And I think you've seen that across the board. And we're certainly seeing that, you know, in our firm and our competitive set is that all the big companies are becoming, uh, at the heart, platform companies mm-hmm. with people to do the great work people do. Like we have fantastic financial advisors and relationship teams that do things, you know, computers can't. Mm-hmm. But customers increasingly prefer to work with us online or, or mobile. Okay. And how has that changed the way technology as an organization is set up or structured at TIA? I'm always interested in kind of the shifting organizational structures of how Mm -hmm. IT and digital technologies, how it all gets done inside of companies, especially, you know, uh, legendary analog companies (laughs) like TIA. You know, know, I think Mm -hmm. it's like there's two things that, that have happened. One is the sort of traditional business and IT become closer together. Yes, uh, and and that's uh, and that's b- been helpful organizationally. So you know, Such I've got a good thing for both teams. It's, it's a good you know? thing for both teams. Yeah. But, but I think also the other thing that maybe doesn't get as much attention is the business teams have become more tech savvy, and the technology teams have become more business savvy. So yes. you know, people move back and forth. Uh, rolls uh, rolls a lot. And I, the way I look at it is at the center of our a retirement business, for example, mm-hmm. is a platform. Mm-hmm. And we all work on the platform. Yeah. yeah. Software engineers code on the platform. The marketing team markets the platform. Right. Our advisors help clients work with the platform. But at the center is the platform. And, and at the center of the platform are the customers and the yeah, clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. actually a nice way to look at business structure. Because uh, a lot of times when IT leaders talk about platforms, we end up talking about a cloud platform, right, for right, instance. Right, but, right. but I think that's changing a lot, too. And I mean, um, I want you to talk a little bit about your job, because you actually wear three different hats given the day and, and <laughs> yeah, sure. what's going on. Uh, so talk about the the different pieces of your chief digital officer job. Well, you know, there, there's a piece of it where I try to be sort of a, a rallying point for the company, a cheerleader for mm-hmm. becoming a more digital place. And that's digital end-to-end. That's the customer experience, the employee experience, our back-end technologies, our front-end technologies, mm-hmm. just reminding people that the more digital we, be, we become, the better we're able to serve all our customers. Mm-hmm. Then there's a piece of the job that is managing the digital service uh, center. Yeah. So we have 100,000 customers log in every day to try to get help with things and learn more about themselves and financial services. I've got the team that manages that, that store, mm-hmm. if, if you will. And then, uh, then I run a bunch of technology. So I've got a terrific right. team that works with our business partners and develops, deploys, uh, manages, fixes things if there are problems, and mm-hmm. just make sure that our technology is uh, running great. 
That's terrific. Well, and we had we started out talking about the attention economy. Yeah. How do you manage your own attention economy? How has that changed? Because I, I know that digital officers and CIOs and IT leaders all have to spend some portion of their time keeping up with the industry and absorbing what's happening and all that. So. Yeah, I, I try to balance my time a little bit. I do a fair bit of, uh, or my team does a fair bit of research on human beings mm-hmm. and their consumption habits and what's working for them. Yeah. So that's keeping it real with respect to what people really need. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this sort of joke uh, internally where I talk about, you know, you can serve homo economicus. That's a fabricated version of human beings that mm-hmm. sometimes in financial services we like to think is out there. <laughs> I've never heard of that one. <laughs> right. Homo economicus. Uh, yeah, homo, homo economicus. That's, that's the person who yeah. is a financial expert that yeah. understands everything about finance. Mm-hmm. That's not, not real. And then there's Homo sapiens, which are real people. Yeah. So, so part of what I try to do is make sure we're solving for Homo sapiens and real people uh. with real financial challenges, concerns, questions who aren't, yeah. aren't experts. I also do a fair amount of direct listening to what customers are saying. Like our, mm-hmm. uh, our digital team every day sends out an email that I get that has the top uh, complaints and compliments from yesterday. Because oh, we have an online nice. survey, and that's yeah. a way I keep it real with what are people really feeling, real customers who are logging in, what mm-hmm. are they really feeling. And if we see things that are problems, then we try to go yeah. fix them right away. And then uh, I do a fair amount of keeping it real with the team, too, and mm-hmm. trying to understand what's in the way of us being better, faster, cheaper, mm-hmm. et cetera. So maybe that I, I spend a lot of time trying to keep it real. Okay. <laughs> now, do you do that with walk-around meetings, or do you have, uh, is it daily scrums? Or yeah. How, yeah. I'm, I'm on the phone with my leadership team virtually every morning. We have a daily scrum okay. where we get together, and it's what's hot. Or right now, we've got a big initiative we're working on, so we talk about it mm-hmm. every morning. Okay. Is that an initiative you can tell us about? Yeah. Yeah. All it's right. uh, you know Back to this theme of uh, software's eating the world, Yeah. You know, one of the things... One of the things that's happened with that is the user interfaces have gotten terrific. Like yeah. Buying a book is kind of a fantastic experience now. Mm-hmm. Buying movie tickets online is even kind of fun. Like everything's fun. So as um, the sort of valueless work's been squeezed out of the system, the interfaces have gotten terrific. Yeah. Now, when you look at enterprise IT, uh, a lot of times it's still sort of hard to be an engineer in a big, in a big company. Mm-hmm. And Mary Fran, Fran, back in the day when I was starting out, uh, if you wanted to do anything big, you wanted to go work at a big company. If you were a software engineer and you mm-hmm. wanted to do something yeah. with power. You wanted, you wanted the large enterprise, which would have right. the tools and the resources. Yeah, the tools, the data center, the yeah. licenses. Back in my day, the Microsoft Developer Network license. Yeah. You, you have, have all well, that computing stuff. Computing was so expensive. Right. Yeah. So so we all, uh, before you got in a big company, you envied the, the power. Mm-hmm. It's a little different nowadays. Right. Okay. Where with all the cloud providers and the tools and the power that you can get uh, by yourself, it's really flipped on its head where, mm-hmm. you know, internal for, uh, for the big companies, it's kind of hard to be a software engineer relative to what you can do at home on your own. Oh. So a big initiative we have is sort of flipping that on its, on its heads. Mm-hmm. It should be as easy or easier for an engineer or a project manager or an analyst to work inside our company yeah. as it is at home. They should look forward to the access to technology tools yeah. that maybe they don't have at right. home instead of the vice versa. Or they mm-hmm. should be yeah. they should be as easy to use or easier. 
They still mm -hmm. need to manage all the enterprise concerns and uh, robust, controlled, all that stuff. Scalable. Scalable. Yeah. So, so mm -hmm. the way I think about this initiative, it's all about making life fantastic for our engineers, uh, QA folks, uh, development managers, everybody. Mm -hmm. Let's do this, the same trans digital transformation that's happened in our business and in just about every industry. Mm -hmm. Let's do that for our own folks because if we can, we're going to be able to do more better, faster, cheaper for customers. Yeah. And it helps you recruit people. It, <laughs> it brings in, yeah. Like, yeah, why, is, why isn't it fantastic to work in IT and a, and a big company? Mm -hmm. Well, and um, I, I really like that you talked about that because I think a lot in a lot of industries, digital transformation, regardless of what it's called, yeah, yeah. like in the oil and gas industry, they just would talk about the digital oil field. And that right. meant the big business transformation with iPads, you know, in the hands of the managers of the rigs and things like that. But it's always seemed to me that it gets much more high impact and real when it's not just externally focused right. on customers, but internally focused. Yeah. And we're starting to see that. I mean, next week I'm heading into our big innovation conference, our CIO 100 symposium, yep. and we give out awards for innovative IT projects every year. And a couple of years ago, I noticed that the vast majority of them were all around data, all around yeah. data projects and things doing with data. But increasingly, I'm noticing that the digital transformation stories are as much about an internal transformation as they are about external. Yeah. Uh, one of the companies getting an award this year, General Electric, did this amazing project where they pulled a global help desk and technical support for their people. And we're talking almost 300,000 people around the <laughs> yeah. world. They pulled the whole thing in house, and 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 their you know net promoter how much people liked its scores went soaring because they had been pretty miserable before, right. and you know they, yeah, they admitted yeah. that and they did it in an amazingly short time. And I'm hearing that more and more. I think of you know what um, Randy Mott's doing at General Motors, you right. know, like opening up data centers and hiring in college graduates and everything. It feels like a kind of renaissance, yeah, uh, for for, sure. for software developers too, for yeah. people that want to go into technology. Do you have any specific strategies that you're using to attract these new folks and into technology? You know, the millennials or the Generation Zs. Well, I've know, heard them yeah. called Zoomers, <laughs> Zoomers now. Yeah, I, I haven't think, heard that yet. Isn't but that that's so great. cute? Yes. We're, we're Boomers, they're Zoomers. Yeah. You know what? I, like I found is there's a timeless principle when you're trying to bring people uh, along with you to, to work. That's as true now as it as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. You know the maybe the details a little different. And the timeless principle is people want to make a difference. That's what yes. I've always found. People yeah. want to make a difference. Engineers want to make a difference. Project managers want to make a difference. They want their work appreciated. Yeah, and mm -hmm. they want to make things that that show up for customers. Yeah, whether you're a mainframe uh, software engineer or uh, you know web QA person or production support, want to make a difference. So what I try to do is make sure that in my team we're making a difference and mm -hmm. that if a person comes to work and they put a dollar of energy in, that 90, 95 cents comes out the other end that customers see at one time. Instead of, okay. instead of you know, there are other places where you, know, you put a dollar's worth of work in and maybe 50 cents comes out the other yeah. side because so much gets absorbed and it's an aspiration, but we work really hard to try to make our team and our firm be a place where if you come to work at TIA, you're going to be able to make a difference and make a difference in a sort of a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool endeavor, which is helping real people, mm -hmm. people who've 
dedicated their lives to serving others yeah. in hospitals and teachers colleges, teachers, and, yeah. helping mm-hmm. those people have better financial lives. What, what could be a cooler job than working at a place mm-hmm. where a lot of my efforts every day are making a difference? I can see it. And it's making a difference in a thing that really matters. Yeah. Well, and the um, and, and thinking about attracting talent and all the online competition, let's talk about the financial uh, startups, the fintechs, yeah, sure. as they're called in your world. There's a whole lot of small companies, as you, you yep. mentioned when we talked previously, <laughs> that can solve a small financial problem. Right. So what is... How do you deal with those? Do you acquire them? Do you partner with them? How are you watching the fintechs? So mm-hmm. watching them very closely and okay. learning a lot. All right. And uh, in some cases, you know, we've done some acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So, so we've done partnerships, acquisitions, uh, just gotten closer to them. And, you know, the way I look at the, the fintech landscape is there are a bunch of companies that are doing fantastic things for customers. But for the most part, they're making narrow and new promises. Mm-hmm. And so narrow promise meaning we're going to help you with this very specific part of your financial life. And okay. new meaning it's all about going forward. You know, mm-hmm. at, at TIA, I've got sort of the opposite situation where I've got broad promises I need to yeah. make. Whether You've got a lot of tabs on your <laughs> yeah, website. Yeah, it's yeah, life insurance, 529, yeah. uh, investing, retirement, goals, you name it. very broad. But mm-hmm. also, I've got to keep promises we made 50, 60, 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are customers that uh. started saving for retirement that long ago that we're still sending uh, retiree annuitant uh, paychecks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where we found success is some of the fintechs are actually built to work with firms like ours, oh, where okay. they, they can kind of snap in, if mm-hmm. you will, yeah. and be part of me serving broadly and, uh, you know, keeping promises I made 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. But some of the other fintechs aren't. Yeah, and so if if you built your fintech in a way that's locked into narrow and new, it's tough for us to do much uh, right. with them. But if they've built thinking in advance, because customers want holistic service, they want their whole financial life together. Yeah, We've they had, actually don't want eighteen mobile apps. Right, you know, right? <laughs> you don't. We're all and, kind of mobile apped out. Really, <laughs> yeah, you know? that's a, yeah. I can yeah. Def- definitely testify to that. Yeah. yeah so so we we found some firms like MyVest, which is the uh, the fintech startup we acquired. Mm-hmm. They were built. In anticipation of, of serving uh, you know firms like ours. Okay, let's talk about some of your the biggest business and technology initiatives. And sometimes in some cases they may be all combined. In some cases they may be more separate. That are going on for you now and into the into the new year. Yeah. Was, so most everything we've got falls into sort of a framework. So maybe okay. I'll mention the framework for yeah, a second. Yeah, talk about that. CIOs love frameworks. <laughs> yeah, of course. By all means, hold forth on your framework. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very frank. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of how we keep it all, you know, keep That's it all right. straight. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we want to have terrific products that mm-hmm. work great for customers that are all brought together in an integrated fashion. So okay. customers, like you mentioned, see it all in one place mm-hmm. with a layer of decision support and advice on top of that. Because not every customer understands the trade-offs between the product types. Mm-hmm. And then we want to make sure we're reaching out to customers, meeting them where they are. So taking some of that capability and projecting it out into Siri or Alexa or mobile. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, which is a lot of stuff I just mentioned, we've got this concept that we call digitally light. And this goes back to the attention economy. And digital digital lightness is, you know, instead of showing people everything they might be interested Mm -hmm. in, it's us doing the work to figure out which things – are they likely to be interested in? Personalization, then. Yeah, and personalization yeah. not to show more, 
but to show but less. To show less. Right, and the attention economy, I'm already I don't hear that a lot. Yeah, That's well, it's really interesting. It's, yeah. it's one of the benefits of working at our firm where it's, uh, it's really about helping people. Mm-hmm. And helping people, one of the ways we can help them is not show them 20 things that they might be interested in and let them sort of work it out. Yeah. Let's figure out the things that they're likely to be interested in. Be very disciplined about it and mm-hmm. whittle the list down. So Digitally Light is we want to deliver all this power to customers, yeah. but make it feel to them like, wow, it's very focused and tight and mm. just the things I need to know. Almost they look at it and think, how did they figure that out about me? Right. So right. tell me more about that, about the technologies behind that that yeah. help you figure that out. So we've got something uh, that we launched a year or so ago called Next Best Action, which oh. is which is the system that Sounds we like use. Sounds like the David Allen book <laughs> yeah. on getting things done. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Well, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, there are other providers of firms that have, you know, Next Best Offer. But for us, mm-hmm. Next Best Action, and Next Best Action might be getting your address updated or oh. okay. uh, upgrading your password and credentials. So Next Best Action is a system we use to look at all the data we have that we know about a customer and trying to distill that down to if we want to nudge people along, what are those next things we should show them? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that system is wired into the phone center. It's wired in, into the web, mobile. Mm-hmm. And we try to make it uh, to, to be really smart about it's just a couple of things. And mm-hmm. if a customer passes, that's okay too. We can sort of move on to the next thing if they don't not interested in, you know, updating their uh, beneficiaries, for example. Mm-hmm. But we want to keep it very tight. Okay, well, um, and that leads me to ask about uh, your TIA's CIO 100 award-winning project <laughs> oh, yeah. this year. Uh, actually, TIA is a regular winner of our innovation award. We try, <laughs> but I know you do, and I, and we encourage that. We like multiple winners of the 100 awards. Um, program you won for this year is called Refactor. And one of the judge's comments was that it had very measured business value across a whole number of dimensions and that the scope and scale of it was quite innovative. Explain Refactor to us. Yeah, so, uh, you know, many people may not realize this, but a big part of our processing is working with the payroll systems for our institutional clients. That's right. Those 15,000 that those I mentioned 50, yeah, in the intro. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, delivering retirement plans, every plan's a little different. And they mm-hmm. have sometimes complicated rules about when the, their employees are eligible to participate in the plan, uh, when they vest. Every plan is very different. And so we take these payroll files in, mm-hmm. do a bunch of heavy processing on them, and that's sort of the entree of the data into our systems. And mm-hmm. like many providers, we've had sort of uh, older systems to do that file processing. But we recognize digital is not just about the screens. It's about mm-hmm. the end-to-end technology transformation. So the Refactor Project went in and said, we can reimagine this file processing. Microservices, grid computing. Mm-hmm. Let's try to completely transform how we do the inbound file processing and these rules mm. so that we can scale it up like crazy. And that sounds like a real legacy process, too, oh, it was, because yeah. you're applying very new digital technologies, microservices and things to a very old process. So that's interesting. Yeah, very old. And, and if yeah. you think about it, it's uh, it's also in the realm of self-service as well, because when we onboard uh, one of our sponsors to a new service, mm-hmm. there's quite a bit of testing. You know, they change their payroll system, they change the feed, we right. have to make adjustments. And we wanted to take a process that would take weeks or months and turn it into days. 
and ah. lay the foundation for plan sponsors to self-serve upgrading the services. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it took reimagining that whole processing engine to get there. Yeah. Well, and this was designing, building, delivering, employing software. This is not some cloud platform you signed on. This no. is something you created inside. And back to your comment about software uh, eating the world. Yes. Uh, my friends at uh, IDC, uh, which is International Data Corp, it's our sister organization, the big research firm, they talk a lot these days about how the real future of digital innovation lies with companies that are dramatically shifting the way they produce software yeah. as they become software companies. So uh, who does the code creation for you? Is this a special team? D- talk a little bit more about like the nitty-gritty of how you get this done. Well, you know, we... Uh we have our own engineering team, and we'll work mm-hmm. with partners. And we've got, uh, you know, we work with some consultants. But we believe that the path to our digital future lies directly through having a great software engineering function. Good. So we Good. have a super talented group of engineers. We invest in the, their education and uh, yep. their career growth. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, surrounding them are teams of terrific project managers and analysts and. Uh, you know all the so- software disciplines, but we do our uh, we do a lot ourselves. Well, now, for sure, mm-hmm. we work with partners. Of course, yeah. And what we tried to do from a strategy perspective is say, you know, for the things that aren't necessarily important differentiators for us, we're happy to work with partners. Okay. That maybe have scale and or know how to yeah. do it better than we would. But for the things that are special about us, mm-hmm. which at TIA are all the customer touch points. Right. And, and like the thing I mentioned yeah. with the, the high-tech, high-touch approach. Yeah, high-tech, yeah. high-touch. Mm-hmm. The things that involve uh, working with customers, we want to chart our own destiny and do it better. And, you know, okay. f- frankly, like the fact that, uh, you know, every day I see yesterday's verbatims mm-hmm. from people on the web or mobile and the team can The compliments go, and the complaints. The compliments and complaints. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, we can lever- have more heavily leverage the things that we're getting complimented on and the complaints – we can go change ourselves. I don't have to get in the queue with a vendor somewhere. No. We can just fix it because we've got our very strong engineering function that loves getting it right for customers. Yeah. Now, are there line of business executives that are deeply involved in this? Or I imagine you're doing agile processes and all that sort of thing. So you have business partnerships that way. Business partnerships on the projects, Mm -hmm. business partnerships on the strategy, business partnerships really at every part of the... um, Every part of the sort of the business uh, landscape, you know, our, our sales team yeah. that works with institutions and our relationships teams that works with institutions, the tech team is involved in meeting with customers, helping them understand the power of our offer. That's great. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's great and it's very exciting to be sort of all in it together. Yeah. Well, in the um, when you mentioned that bridge about, you know, tech people knowing more about the business, business yeah. people knowing about the tech, do you think that that balance of development will start shifting more as we advance through digital transformation where it gets – I've had CIOs describe how around a table, listening to a team of business and IT people yeah. talking about something, you may not be able to necessarily pick out, like, that's the IT woman and that's the business guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I think what's what's happened is we've all become technology consumers. So I mentioned oh, earlier, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Homo economicus versus Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens are technology consumers now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So everybody in their home life 
has likely a home network. They know how to download apps to their phone. Yeah. A bunch of, you know, if you go back. They're getting concerned about their own attention economy. <laughs> right. You know, like, I need to turn my phone off and go to bed, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so everybody's mm-hmm. a technology consumer now, so it's just very natural that yeah. that uh, in the workplace, everybody can talk tech. And that's great. Yes. And it's just everybody's got a role on the platform, and some people do the coding. Other people do the designing. Other people do the selling. Everybody's got a role to play. Mm-hmm. Is your um, group of software engineers, is that a number that continues to climb as the firm grows through the years? Are you are you always in yeah. the queue trying to hire more software engineers? Yeah, more engineers with more modern skills. Okay. Yeah, because, like, the, you know, if you think about it, the engineering landscape, has changed a ton and especially like like I was talking about earlier the tools that you use to get stuff done m- moving all that to cloud providers and uh, so it's not just bringing new new people in it's uh, mm-hmm. help, helping grow the people we have yeah um, how do you do that I mean you don't just send them to LinkedIn to take a, a, a download a course I mean, no, do, you, do you have a TIA university or we, we do but okay. it's it's all the above so right. we've got dedicated places, you know, as part of mm-hmm. our initiative to uh, drastically improve the engineering experience for our engineers, the yes. project manager experience. We're standing up a new sort of focused area on our intranet that we can direct people to to get smarter on containers, smarter on CICD, oh, all the new tools that we're delivering. Okay. And the skills that you're looking for now, they're probably different or evolved from, say, three or four years ago? Yeah. And what are they? Do they tend to be product management skills or uh, it's, no? So basic, hardcore, deep engineering, we oh. always need that. Okay. Right. It, it, so being able to code, test, build in a way that's architecturally sound. Yeah. But it's also containers and automated CI/CD pipelines and mm-hmm. the process, building software, the sort of modern way. Mm-hmm. So it's both those. And, you know, we look uh, like any big financial company. We've got basically every sort of tech stack you can imagine somewhere. Mm-hmm. So those same things apply to whether it's, uh, you know, Windows or uh, JavaScript or... Um, JavaScript. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> that you sounds know, so you, legacy now. Right. No, but it's yeah. with Node.js, it's, it's yeah. uh, you know, what's old is new again. Yeah. You know, Node.js is, is huge, uh, whether it's just J2EE and, and Java or... Uh, Python, it's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've got a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. and we need our engineers, and, and they do a fantastic job with this, to be good at, yep. at the domain they're in. Do you still play with technology very much yourself? Because I know you have a fairly <laughs> technical background, yeah. but also a lot of innovation and executive leadership, and it's a balance. It's a balance, but yeah. but back to this theme of, I think it's important to keep it real. And oh, okay. So keeping it real for me is I've still got to be able to write code and deploy it. And I shared with my team here recently at an all-hands meeting that over the Christmas break, mm-hmm. I went and built a little uh, application for my kids. Cool. <laughs> they, haven't se- they haven't seen it yet. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. Hopefully they're not they probably listening. want to see your code so they <laughs> right. can make fun of it. Yeah. No, but it's, you know, it's, I uh, mm-hmm. coded, deployed yep. on the internet using a cloud provider. Yeah. And, you know, it's helped, helped me see how easy it is to do things now that used to be uh, very hard. Things that used to take an army of people, you can do yourself. Yeah. And we want to make sure at TI we're leveraging that power 
to mm-hmm. do more better stuff for our customers. Yeah. Now, internally, did you create something like an app store? I mean, something that encourages uh, maybe other parts of the business that are further away from the engineering and the technology. Is there a place they can go? Because uh, you, you're not offering any of this refactor stuff externally. Right. This is a, a competitive advantage internally. Well, so, so we've got an app store that mm-hmm. we use internally, but that's more for uh, employees to download you know, software upgrades. Oh, okay. You know, for our uh, for our engineering team, this transformation where we're uh, trying to change the way we work, we're standing all that up now. Okay. So we've got an mm-hmm. internal knowledge uh, base system that a lot of it will be in there. We call it the unified desktop. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's that's very similar because when you and I were talking about GE's story about bringing the help desk inside, you guys have already been doing that essentially. Yes. Or yep. you did that a while ago. Yep. Yeah. The uh, talk a little bit more about the unified desktop. Is that something that's kind of one and done, or is it constantly being upgraded? No. You, you know, uh, the what we tried to solve with the unified desktop was the the sort of typical internal financial services problem of there are a hundred different apps that have grown up over time mm-hmm. that someone in the call center. They have to uh, use this app for one thing. They have to go to another app for another thing. And it, it, was, it was sort of a mess. Uh, so what we tried to do was build an architecture that would allow us to federate the work. So we could have a lot of teams mm-hmm. work on different capabilities, but would all come together in a way that's relatively seamless for internal associates. Okay. So the model we used, believe it or not, was Wikipedia. Now, Wikipedia's done oh, a fan- I love that. Yeah, yeah, Wikipedia's done a fantastic job of organizing arguably mm-hmm. all the information in the world. Yeah. So we said, gosh, if Wikipedia... Some of it even accurate. <laughs> right, <you know>? yeah. <laughs> if, if, that's yeah. A, if that's a user pattern that yeah. works to organize all the information in the world, certainly it'll work to organize all the information at TIA. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, this, the visuals are a little different, but it's the same uh, lateral navigation where okay. you know I, I read an article and there are hyperlinks. I click... Yes. And the, the really cool thing about it was when we launched, we said, we're going to stand up Unified Desktop. Everything mm-hmm. we do is going to be a topic, like an article okay. in Wikipedia. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we got to figure out what our first topic will be. Ah. And so we said, What's, what should be the first topic we put on there? And then f- being a very customer-focused company, we said, well, um, our customers should be okay. the first topic. A customer mm-hmm. should be the first topic. Well, how does Wikipedia handle, handle, custom- or handle people? Well, oh. if you look up a famous person on Wikipedia, you see everything about them in one big, yep. long page. Yeah. Well, why don't we? Sh- our system should look at our customers as VIPs, the most important people we know because they are. Okay. So let's model the idea of unified desktop topic of a person. Yeah. On famous people, so when a, you know, if you were to call into a TIA mm-hmm. call center, what pops up on the agent's screen is a big long page with everything we know about you. Okay. And the customer, the user can sort of click links to go into other service areas. Yeah. But it's all organized in this this concept of topics, and it's it's been pretty cool. Will they, if we were to do that? Yeah. Type my name in and all that. Yeah. Will they find this interview? Or <laughs> no. how soon they won't? It's it's, it's only stuff in our systems. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, how do you? feed more stuff into the system it's then. through all the listening posts we have because you and i should end up linked in your system shouldn't we yeah well there was a time when scott was interviewed <laughs> yeah. by well, yeah. well only if we post it internally you know then, okay. it w- then it would i suppose yeah 
So maybe well, I should do that. I know. Well, I hope you're going to end up proud enough of it. this oh, interview. You know. <laughs> All right, I'm calling in, and I have a specific question. Yeah. The um, one of the other things we talked about when I love, I just love your the way you view this because everybody gets all hot and bothered about big data. And one of the things you said about it was that 97% of the energy tends to be on getting all the data into one place, but then what? Yeah. So tell me how your thinking has evolved about the uses of data. And I'm not when we say big data these days, I'm not even sure what we mean. Do we mean petabytes or I think so. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of Or is of like, it big impact data? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, there was this idea that if we could only get all the data in one place, we could do magical the things holy with grail. it. Right. Yeah, yeah, data it, mountain. And yeah. so people said people a lot of people said, well, let's you know, job number one is let's go get the, all the data yeah. in one place. But mm-hmm. of course, that's a never-ending battle because going, finding all of it, transforming it, putting it in cubes. Yep. And it's uh, getting all the data in one place is one part about getting all the data, but it's a big part is putting it in one place. Which right. place, how often do we feed it? And I think Data what, warehouses, data yeah. marts, data lakes is the newest thing. Yeah. And that's uh, all great, but then I think we're now at a point, and you've sort of seen this even in the, in the in- industry that attention's turning to, okay, we, we've got it all in one place. Mm-hmm. The magic's supposed to happen. Right. Where's yeah. where's the magic? And I think this is when of, the elves appear and yeah. they weave new gold thread out of the data. And, and I think uh, I think about it a little bit differently in that, you know, we need to start with no no issue having a lot of data in one place to explore a little bit, but sure. you gotta start with what you're after. To run tools against it and so forth. Yeah, yeah but start with what, what you're trying to accomplish and what are the okay. questions you have mm-hmm. and do all the data work in service of you have customers that have needs, you have questions. Um, and, and, and respond to those needs. Let's make sure we have the data that helps us get there. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes I know we found that it's not true that you're already listening at all the places you need. So ah. a big data project can go gather all the data you already have, but you might miss the fact that the data you really need is data you're not even gathering yet. If uh-huh. you start with a question, that leads you to, oh gosh, I need to go instrument this part of our system to go gather that data, because uh-huh. that's going to answer the question I really have. Mm-hmm. And we've had you know, some experience with that. Yeah. Then uh, you would mentioned that you get those verbatims about the complaints yeah. and the compliments. Yeah. Does that end up in your data store somewhere? It does, yeah. Okay. So we've got mm-hmm. a great 360-degree view of customer sentiment across all our channels. Okay. And we work very hard at remembering the following. And I learned this years ago, getting digital rights about the big things. Mm-hmm. Launching, uh, you know, we're the first provider to launch a, a app on your Apple Watch, mm-hmm. for example. The big strategic uh, press release so kind press of stuff. release kind yeah. of stuff. It's about yeah. that, but it's also it's also about getting the little things right. I try mm-hmm. to remind my team all the time that if you spend millions of dollars on a project, but you put the button to access it on the wrong spot, people can't find it. You wasted millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So the little things like making stuff easy for people to find, easy to use. It's in yeah. the words and the location. Getting that little stuff right is maybe more important than the big things. So we yeah. try to, that's part of keeping it real, is make sure that despite our usability testing and all the great work we've done launching a product, mm-hmm. that that we do the look back afterwards and see how mm-hmm. people are using it and tune and adjust. That's a great idea. Well, and I think it's that's certainly taking hold in a lot of places, but yep. you guys have been doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah, and it's I paying know, off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know when you look back at, uh, at one of the things you've always talked about is the information versus 
insight yeah. and that, you know, like let's measure and follow the things that matter. Um, and speak of measuring, yes. how do you, uh, you have an interesting, your score your scorecard story about <laughs> about how when you first started out as you know chief digital officer it's been a really interesting title in the industry yeah. because when it started it was mostly renaming the chief marketing officer right. because they were digital channels and customers and the marketing people owned the customers what i think is so interesting now is how IT executives and IT people are starting to feel they have a piece of the customers too. But how do you measure your success as the CDO? Well, so, you know, when we got started, mm-hmm. it, or I got started in this role, the big question was, Scott, how do we mark our digital progress? Yeah. Like I look at the How chief- do we know you're doing your job, <laughs> right, Scott? Yeah, you know, right. you're a nice question guy. We like you and all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I look at the chief digital officer role for us as helping us become an end to end digital company. Yes. And that's uh, mm-hmm. cheerleading, coaching a little bit, doing some of the work. But it's really an everybody in the company kind of effort. So what I tried to do is figure, find a way to measure our overall digital digitization at any point in time. Yes. And the way I did that is to say, look, we've got 100,000 customers logging into the web every day. We've got customers calling in, submitting paper forms. There's a lot of inbound requests from customers that come in all the time. Mm-hmm. I should be able to measure that. Now, we had to create new instrumentation to do that, mm-hmm. to measure that across channels and then get the percentage of customers who are working with us completely digitally. Mm-hmm. And if our digital channels are fantastic, easy to use, simple, respectful people's time, full featured, what we should see is an increasing number of people migrate to those channels. Yes. And uh, we've seen since we started measuring it, we call it our digitization score. Since we started measuring it, the board put it on the corporate scorecard. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a big deal in the company. And we've seen it almost triple since we started measuring it, the percentage of customers that starting and completing the work with us online. Mm-hmm. Can you say what percentage I want to share the number. It's a great number now. And yeah. uh, I owe it to, I think we owe it to the hard work of a ton of people over time, just yeah. focused on. All sweating the details on just about everything, and uh, it's been great for customers too. Well, I remember I had a CIO from a big, huge healthcare provider uh, out on the West Coast was on stage. I think two years ago, and he he said he was almost as shocked by this number as his executives were that they had reached a tipping point where more than fifty percent of the patient connections into the company were digital. Yeah, well, and I mean right. that can really speed things along with the board of directors, you know. Yeah, when you get, yeah. yeah, and you know, I, I think the other thing that we've seen, and I've certainly saw in my prior lives too, is it's both. Uh, you see the channel migration. Mm-hmm. If people can do it twenty four seven and the convenience of wherever they are, you know, yeah. standing in, in line at the grocery store or whatever, if th- that uh, they'll migrate to digital channels, but they'll mm-hmm. also engage more. Because yes. it's easier to do a quick peek and... Uh, well, it's kind of like you're in their pocket right, because sort of, you're yeah. with them on their phone, you know, right. and that kind of stuff. Uh, last question I always sure. uh, enjoy asking is about your leadership lessons and your advice for other chief digital officers. You've mentioned a few times that you like to keep it real. Yeah. Uh, and that's good, and everybody has different ways of doing that. Uh, what are some of your other kind of... Your pearls of wisdom that you want to <laughs> leave on the yeah, table I, here? You know, I, I had a great mentor mine years ago tell me uh and i can almost still although he never physically did this feel his finger on my chest saying scott (laughs) you know don't be an order taker 
you know, have a point of view. Great advice. Have a point of view, even if it's your wrong point of view, Mm -hmm. even if you don't share it. Make sure whatever problem you're encountering, whatever the situation is, make sure you've thought through it and you have your own perspective. It'll help you Mm -hmm. learn. It'll help you contribute more. So I always try to, you know, I'm not I'm not Mm -hmm. uh, in marketing, but I try to have a point of view on marketing. I'm not in sales. I'm not in operation. You know, I. Yep. But I try to um, always have a point of view, and what that's driven me to do over the years is learn a lot about marketing, learn a lot about finance, learn a lot about relationship management, learn a lot about customers. Uh, in service of of having my own internal compass. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can learn so much just talking to you know asking questions yeah. about it. I had a a very wise CIO I know who said that he he said he he works with you know he realizes that a lot of IT people people are fundamentally introverted. Yeah. But he said don't worry about that when you're in the room. He said don't try to be the most interesting person in the room. <laughs> That's great. Be the most interested. Yeah. You know, yeah. well going around and asking the questions, and of course that really resonates with me I just uh, there was uh, at our uh, and last thing and I'll put in a plug for his book because I think it's so wonderful um, there's a MIT professor named Hal Gregerson okay. and he wrote a book called questions are the answer hmm. and it's all about he has a question burst method that he talks about in it and it's a very interesting we did a little exchange at my Boston event in June where someone tells you a problem they're having and instead of you right away giving them the answer because yeah, that's right. our human thing <laughs> yeah, oh well here's way, what yeah. I would do you know, right. He said, "What you, the only thing you can do is you have to ask them 20 questions about it or oh. some number, or maybe it's 15. But I thought, what a different way to kind of turn the whole thing on its head. So I have found that book really. And, of course, I ask a lot of questions for a living, <laughs> yes, too. So, yeah. so maybe this resonates with me particularly. But um, I love it as kind of one of those non-technical sort of business yeah. books to recommend to IT leaders. So that it's questions are the answers. And you have given a lot of great answers here today. So thank, thank you, you so much for joining us. For CIO Leadership Live. If you joined us late, I'm sorry for you, but you can watch the full episode later today on CIO.com or on YouTube. And you may have noticed on the wall behind me over here, Tech Talk, which is our IDG Tech Talk channel, where you can find not only this fabulous episode, but all of the other uh, episodes of CIO Leadership Live. And I think we're well up to like 30 different executives (laughs) we've talked on here. I know, it's really coming along. You can also listen to the audio podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we would love to have you join us for our next episode. It will be Friday, September 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern. And I'll be joined by Cheryl Bunton, who is the CIO of Gulfstream Aerospace. She won't be able to bring a jet with her to demonstrate, but we will hear a whole lot about how they're using uh, augmented intelligence and reality to develop fabulous products at Gulfstream. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In the meantime, IDG Tech Talk. And thank you for being with us today, and I hope you'll join us again next time.